0: I'm a compulsive here. Hi, everyone. It's so good to see everyone and be back in this room. Um, I want to say thank you um, for being asked to speak. and got me here today, which is wonderful. I don't know if this was asked already. Um, is there anyone here for their first 12-step marathon? Awesome. Wow. Awesome. And anyone here in their first, you know, 30 days of program? Awesome, welcome. Well, I'm going to share just my experience, Shape and Hope, on steps 6 and 7. That's just what I have to say, and probably a lot of it is something that someone else said before me, so thank you to all the people who have spoken before me today and also who have walked this path before me today, because... I wouldn't be where I am without you, which also kind of brings me to just a little pitch that the 2024 convention is gonna be in Sacramento and a sneak peek of the theme will be about those who have, that we are following in the footsteps of those who travel the road before us. So I am a compulsive overeater. I am 100% a compulsive overeater. I know that. Started at a very young age because there is a picture of me for my third birthday where there is a wrapper of a cupcake and a full cupcake next to it because I could not wait for them to sing happy birthday to eat my treat, and that has just been my life. I my life revolves around food. Revolved so revolved around food, um, and I was also a compulsive dieter. So. Tried really everything I could. You know, hypnosis, the pain in the way, the don't eat before this time, don't eat after that time, don't eat this, don't eat that. And um, I at one point I was like, Maybe if I just gain a hundred pounds I could have weight loss surgery and that would probably fix everything. Yeah. And thankfully I never went to that extreme. But, you know, It's not just about the weight. I want a couple Facebook memories came up recently. One said, "At the end of the day, nothing's more important than friends and family, except probably wine and a piece of red velvet cake." (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That really sums it up. I don't. I feel like in my mind, you know. Alcohol and food were way before the friends and family, but I couldn't say that on Facebook. Another Facebook memory that came up was said, if God could create the world in six days, you can get me that report by Friday. (laughs) So that's an interesting mindset. (laughs) If only you did whatever I needed you to do, wanted you to do exactly when you did it, then life would be okay. It sounds like a compulsive eater to me. So I ate compulsively for a very long time. I um, could not stop eating. And about seven months before my 30th birthday, I was having lunch with a friend, and I said, I just can't stop eating. She said, well, have you ever thought about overeaters anonymous? I said, Yep, yeah, those people are crazy. Of course, I've heard of Overeaters Anonymous. My dad is a physician, a retired physician, and he had told me about it um, years before, and I, I knew it worked. She said, Well, Ashley's thinking about doing it. And, well, I, I knew it worked. I did not want Ashley to be the success story. I wanted <laughs> to be the success story. So one of my character defects of needing this praise and validation from others got me here. So I'm okay with that. So she's like, "Well, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe you'll meet some new friends." So the next day it was November 11th, 2012. I went to the 6 p.m. Oakland meeting. Many of you here were in that room, and I heard things I had never heard before. Um. And all I could say was, I'm so scared. And it was so true. I was terrified of what what, what was going to happen. What did I just discover? What was going on? And you, you just, you gave me hope. And, in the, you know, I, I came for the vanity and I stayed for the sanity. It was definitely um, I could not stop eating and I wanted to lose weight. But within a couple weeks, I realized that I wanted to stop the crazy in my head as much as possible as well. So on November 25th, 2012, I became abstinent and I've gratefully maintained that abstinence in a 35 pound weight loss. Um, so for almost 11 years, which is, all because of my higher power and partly, you know, because of my footwork. So um, I got I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. And what we've already heard today is, you know, steps one, two, and three. You know, admitted we we're powerless over food. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And turn our will and our lives over to that to that higher power so I can't God can maybe I'll let God take care of it and so 4 and 5 we, we do that searching and thorough moral inventory and we talk to someone else and we admit to them the wrongdoings that we've done and we during that process during that process I was able to Find the patterns. What are those patterns? What are those character defects that have, you know, that I can discover from those resentments, from that uncovering? And once we do steps one through five, the steps are in order for a reason. So once we do steps one through five, we're able to get to step six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And the spiritual principle is willingness. So we have to become willing to have these defects removed. We know what they are now. We've been able to look at them through, you know, through these patterns. But what's important, and you know, it says in step six, um, what's important is to um, kind of find out a little bit more about those character defects. Where did they come from? How have they helped me? How have they harmed me? So an example I gave earlier about needing that praise and validation from others, I'm I'm the middle child. (laughs) Where did it come from? That's pretty easy to figure out. Um, How has it helped me? Well, it got me here. It gave me some motivation. But how has it harmed me? I need that in order to feel. Like I'm worthy, and that's not a life I want to live. I want to know that love and self worth comes from within and not from others. So, um, on page 46 in our 12th step, um, in 12th tradition, Overeaters Anonymous, second edition book, um, it says, if I could find it. Step six, we confront the fear that our defects are like threads woven into the very fabric of our being. If God removes them, we feel we'll surely unravel. And I really like that because it does feel like these character defects are so ingrained in me. Like, what? Who am I if I don't have them? What? What will happen if I don't have them? And also, will I fit in if I don't have them? Will I be able to still? Talk to people and have friends. If I'm not able to fit in and feel like I'm one of the crowd, if I'm gossiping with them, and but by doing this, this work, we realize I realized I'm powerless over them, just like the food, and just like steps one, two, and three for six and seven. I can realize that I am powerless over these defects just as I'm powerless over the food. I cannot control these character defects. I cannot remove them. I cannot just be like, God, just be a better person, be a better person, be a better person, and white-knuckle it. No, I have to turn them over to a power greater than myself. So another example of you know, needing to dig in is about people pleasing. So I never thought I was a dishonest person. I thought I was very honest. And then a while into program, I heard someone talking about people pleasing and how that's a form of dishonesty. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm I that's all I do. And I <laughs> thought I do. Why? It avoids conflict. Why? Because Others will think I'm easygoing, <laughs> Why? Because it makes me feel worthy and loved. But that makes me dishonest. It makes me ignore my needs. It's a recipe for resentment. And so when I think about this character defect, and I want to have it removed, I can think about, well, what do I want to have it replaced with. And, um, you know, the opposite of that to me is the honesty, confidence, knowledge that love and self-worth can come from within and not from just being agreeable. Um, I also just have to say, for some reason I thought I was only speaking for 30 minutes today. I didn't even think I would take 30 minutes. Texted a, a fellow and she said, Don't worry, just pause and close your eyes, and people will just think you're spiritual. <laughs> I'm like, that's a really good tip. <laughs> and I'm wishing I kind of already done that. <laughs> so we have so I understand that I have to be willing to turn these over to power greater than myself in order for it to be removed. And removed, that's moved again. So every day I have to ask them to be removed. They are not going to, in my experience, they are not gone, They hey God, can you take this? Oh good, it's gone, great, happily ever after. That's not my experience. So I understand that this can take a lifetime. It's a commitment to changing, and it might be uncomfortable. So we get to step seven. Humbly ask them to remove our shortcomings. And the spiritual principle is um, humility. Now, you know, it talks about the very beginning of step seven in our 12 and 12 Kind of like how a lot of us didn't really understand the true meaning of humility. And I was definitely one of those people. It's like, humility, like, I'm, <laughs> I don't even need that. Like, I, I think I'm a piece of crap. And it's like, oh, wait, actually, a poor self-image keeps us in bondage to self, and thus makes it impossible to find true humility. I had no idea. I really do not think I knew that word before I came into program. What it, they, God, There's so much good stuff in step seven, especially in our literature. And so I'm gonna read a, just a couple paragraphs here. It's in, on page 52. In our self-absorption, we, become, we became status seekers in one way or another, primarily concerned with getting our own way and the recognition we craved. We tried openly or secretly to place ourselves above other people, hoping to disprove our own feelings of inadequacy. Sometimes when I'm reading things, I also will change it so it's I can really, really pound the thought into it and change it to first person, like, you know, talking about myself. So, in OA, I have discovered that humility is simply an awareness of who I really am today. No willingness to become all that I can be. Genuine humility br- brings an end to the feelings of an inadequacy, the self, self-absorption, and the status-seeking. Humility, as I encounter in my OA fellowship, places me neither above nor below other people on some imagined ladder of worth. It places me exactly where I belong, on an equal footing with my fellow beings and in harmony with God. And I, just, I love the, that paragraph. Um. And I like when I'm able to really, again, pound that into my head about this is, yeah, this is a we program, but also this is stuff I need to hear. This imagined ladder of worth. I have that highlighted like four times and box because that's totally, that has been my story. I just did not feel like I was worthy. And I think that that's a story I've heard a lot in these rooms and when other people say it, I'm like, how is that possible? You're amazing. And when I say it, I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know, you're not worthy." It. It's like, oh, this program can actually teach me to, so, you know, love myself as, you know, and have other people love me until I can love myself. I've also realized that these defects, again, they've outlived their usefulness. So they have blocked my ability to, my, my effectiveness to the world. It's blocked my ability to be the version me that, God wants me to be to be of service to be able to be the best version of myself and so even if those character defects have those benefits at the end of the day they are no longer serving me of course there is a it it can't you know it can be sometimes it can be hard to see that the stubbornness can you know give you the motivation you need to like be successful But at the end of the day, they no longer serve me. So so six and seven, so I now am willing to have God remove these defects of character. So that's what I need to do. And I do that, you know, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's, I think, six and seven are two paragraphs, very short. And it can be very short. I do like the idea of digging into them, which is instructed in R 12 and 12, but You know, once we become willing, we can just ask them to be removed and then replaced with, you know, whatever that asset is. And we're told that, you know, they will probably come back. And at that point, we can't beat ourselves up over it because that would be a lack of humility. We need to remember that, you know, I'm just, I'm human. I am one among many, and, and and some days those defects are going to pop up. Actually, I can guarantee you, when you're working step six, in my experience, they are loud and clear. <laughs> and people are laughing because that's not just my experience. They really show up, and you're like, uh, maybe I'm not that dishonest. And it's like, oh, no, wait, I am. <laughs> so they really pop up. And then throughout the day, especially if you work in a corporate world, they really can come up. And it's wonderful to have that foundation, that steps one, two, and three, that four and five, to know that I don't have to eat over them. I'm not. I'm not a horrible person. I'm not. It's me having this character defect does not make me terrible. It makes me human. And this character defect no longer serves me. So that's kind of just the, the pattern and the mantra that I have to remind myself of. Um, I just have to say that, um, I'm just very grateful for these steps. I do love six and seven so much. There's so much in them. And if you can do one, two, and three, you can definitely do six and seven. And they prepare you for the rest of the steps. And even though I still have 20 more minutes, I'd rather hear from you guys. So thank you so much for letting me share.